So you spent on a totally different subject. You spent a lot of time in Michigan, isn't that correct? Um, not not a lot of time, but I did. I spent. I did my PhD there. That's where oh, okay. I sort of. Um... Is that where you got your accent? Hello, everyone, and welcome to At WCSU, the second or third most ethical program at Western Connecticut State University. The first program, that most ethical program, is run by Dr. Anna Malavisi. She's a philosophy professor here and also is going to talk on campus later this month about the ethics, the urgent ethics of climate change. So we talked to her about that. Uh, what's uh, wrong about the people who deny climate change and what's right about all the rest of us and what we can be doing ourselves and uh, as a group to uh, bring about a better world. We also, of course, have co-host Jacqueline Bonomo on, and she does a really deep dive into Harry Potter. Yeah, and unexpectedly. I'll... I don't know how we got there, but we got there. Yeah, and she knows a lot about it. Uh, she does, but my wife, I was telling my wife about that after we recorded it, and my wife had some uh, bones with a few of the things that oh, really? the Jacqueline said. So listen to the entire podcast with Dr. Anna Malavisi and Jacqueline Bonomo and Pete and me, and uh, then we'll um, have a little surprise about Harry Potter at the end. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, you know fight Jacqueline for my wife at the end. <laughs> wow like a cage match exactly. our first one on at wcsu well we have had a boxer that's true and we talked and about slap fights butts. last week yeah oh that's right yeah we are kind of a violent uh, we have a little a violent edge here Lately. on this podcast yeah which is okay <laughs> it's ethical that's why we're yes. that's why we're third because of all the the one-on-one <laughs> -on -one violence involved yeah, you show me a slap bite, I'll jump right in. There we go. <laughs> now let's go to the interview with Dr. Anna Malavisi. So my first question is from the president of the university, Dr. Clark, who asked me or ordered me to ask you something about Puerto Rico. <laughs> Puerto Rico. Um, yes. So is this part of the podcast? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, okay. You have to give some context, right? Because yes. I'm currently teaching a course with President Clark on epistemology, right? And not everyone's going to know what epistemology is. And some people sort of, uh, may wince at it or cringe, right? Mm -hmm. So epistemology is a study of knowledge. So, we're doing a course with, with, you know, we're offering a course on knowledge and uh, how do we know and you know, do we know or what do we know? But also really what the most important thing is because it's a philosophy class is how we can improve maybe our knowledge practices. And the first thing to do that, about that is understand. So the reading, we teach a class on Wednesday nights, right? And last night we there was a chapter on Puerto Rico and where a philosopher was talking about uh, how much, do normal everyday Americans know about the status of Puerto Rico, Puerto Ricans, and what it all means? Are they U.S. citizens? 
and it was so it was all related to that and how it related to also to ignorance because she was coming from a perspective which I really didn't know about much about Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. right? And so that's that's where the sort of like that context. So it was really important. So, you know, how many of us, I'm, well, I'm not an American citizen, but how many Americans uh, actually understand the status of Puerto Ricans in the U.S.? Um, yes. Are they U.S. citizens or are they not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right. And, you know, and, and it, it, it is really sort of really important because they don't, they are sort of recognized as U.S. citizens, but of course, they are not allowed to vote for federal elections and they have no representatives in Congress. So it's sort of like, yeah. But also President Clark had, you know, has had lots of experience and lots of, has lots of friends that are mm-hmm. Puerto Ricans, but are also U.S. citizens because of, because they were born here, right? right? Uh, because of the big migration of Puerto Ricans here. So that's the, that was what the reference was to Puerto Rico. He's always, by the way, dropping your name and proudly talking about teaching with you philosophy and educating all the rest of us in any group about philosophy and his background, <laughs> the philosophy yeah. education. Yes, we are. We, we, yes. So, uh, you know, I, I'd love to talk about many different topics of philosophy <laughs> whenever you want. <laughs> right. Yes, I'm sure you could. What we were wanted to talk about today was an upcoming lecture you're giving about the ethics of greening. Yes. That's the title, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, it is. And it's actually the urgency of the ethics of greening. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so what, why that sort of title? Okay, so it's part of a climate change series that you know, Dr. Mitch Wagner organizes. It's, it's a bit of a smaller uh, series this year because of the pandemic. Um, but it's also, well, I think it's a very important perspective or dimension of climate change crisis, right? So the greening is re- in reference to the environment, mm-hmm. right? And why I say the urgency of ethics, because I think if we think about an ethical dimension to the climate crisis, it's going to help us understand maybe our own sort of responsibility or our part in it, right? The obligations that we have as individuals on this earth. Uh, and, and so that's why I think it is, it is urgent. So yes, there's a lot of scientific evidence out there, right? And you know, we, we know that we have to do something. I just think that an ethical dimension will help us understand our place in the environment and what that means. And do you find that people accept that when you talk about it or do they understand <laughs> it and start living that? Uh, usually, okay, so I teach this, right? So you, oftentimes uh, the students are very, uh, you know, young, the younger generation, yes. Um, I'm not too sure of sort of the older generation, right? There's still, uh, there's still a lot of people that, although may realize that climate change is a problem, may not agree with the fact that it also requires some individual change or some individual responsibility. I think we're all too often, we all too often want other people to take that responsibility or take the blame or, or take, you know, responsible for the actions, not, not us, not, you know, any individual. So I think that has to change. That has to change, right? And was in the, in the big 
topic of the environment, a lot of the times the feeling is it's so big, what can one person do? Is that right? Oh, yes. And that's, you know, that that's a, uh, but I actually think it's a, ra a rather weak argument, mm -hmm. right? Because I think we have to, we have to, and that's a, that's a good question, because I think we have to let go of that sort of idea, right? We have to think that we are all in this together, right? So even forget about the US as a country. This is a global problem, right? And everyone has to take some sort of steps to sort of uh, that responsibility. Of course, individual change is a necessary condition, right? But it's insufficient because the, the problem is so big, right? So it requires individual change, but also structural change. But the structural change is not going to come without the individual change. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. right? So we all have a role to play. Right? So some of it, is, is this correct? Some of it is just the way uh, we think as a society, too. We can uh, The more we make individual change and start to say, yes, I am going to recycle this. I'm not going to throw the glass bottle in the garbage. <clears throat> tends to naturally become part of your thinking, part of your conversations with other people. It kind of goes, uh, w forms a web from out there and eventually gets to decision makers, et cetera. Exactly, exactly. And I think that you're right. As much as we make these this situation visible, the issue visible, talk about it, right? Expose some of the ideas and the arguments and the practices, I think more people will get on board. You know, that sort of the plastic bag, Mm -hmm. uh, issue the when it was introduced in Connecticut there was pushback right mm -hmm. I had some students in my class who worked at the supermarkets who said that uh the, you know the grocery stores and said that people were complaining angry but it, I think with time although the COVID pandemic sort of <laughs> would have stopped a bit um but people were you could see behavior change people were taking their bags to these sort of think gosh, why haven't we done this from the beginning, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, it sort of like raises questions in civil. So people began to change their behavior, and I think people did, right? Not everyone, but I think with time, it would, and of course that is helped by the state making a law, you know, bringing in saying, okay, no more plastic bags. That is really important to have that state support, that government support, right, at yes. all levels. And that's what really, and that also comes from lobbying from the community, from social groups from you know, environmental activists. So we definitely have a role to play, a very important role, each and one, every one of us. Yes. Uh, a lot of people who advocate for mask wearing during COVID uh -huh. say, hey, it's not just for you, it's for me. It's for everybody in your family, your elderly relatives. It's for the people you meet in the grocery store. Uh, if you wear a mask, you're protecting other people. And it's an ethical argument. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, but the ethical argument with some people gets tied in and negated by the political argument about freedom to do <laughs> what you want to do, which I guess maybe some people think is an ethical argument too. How do you deal with ethics and the intersection with politics and all the other things? I know. It, it's a very complicated area, but once again, it's a really important question and important issue, right? Because yes, too many people are using that individual freedom argument to say, I don't have to wear a mask, 
right? So once again, that is a very sort of, it's a very selfish attitude because they're not only harming themselves, but they are also harming other members of the society and their family if they willingly expose themselves, right, in that sort of sense, and not by not wearing a mask, right? So it's a very selfish and individual sort of attitude. And that's, I think, that's what I'm getting at. I think we have to move away from that because the, the other argument is that everyone wears a mask for the benefit of everyone, for oneself, but also the benefit of others, right? So it's like, it's like a no-brainer. It's like, we, we, as I said before, we are social beings. We're not a sort of individual entities that can live independently, apart from sort of a recluse or hermits. Generally speaking, we are social beings. We rely, we rely on others. There's an interdependence there. So that also then leads, not only leads to sort of like, includes the responsibility that we have to others. Mm-hmm. I suppose, right? mm-hmm. So yes, I think a strong argument can be made for that sort of like discounting that individual freedom. You know, in ethical dilemmas are also always you have to make a choice, right? <laughs> One or the other. So I think there's a there's a strong argument to be made for people wearing masks to protect themselves and to protect others. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. What are you going to cover in your? lecture or your seminar on April 27th. Yeah, I know. I, you know, I, I want to do too much, but of course I can't, <laughs> right? And yeah, uh, so I think, you know, there are a couple of things that are really important. Uh, one thing that I want to sort of uh, talk about is our, how we see ourselves within the environment. Because for too long, society, the world, has very much considered the, div- the, the environment as something that we dominate as humans, right? A very human-centered approach, what we call anthropocentric, right? Mm-hmm. Which just means human-centered. So it just means that everything we've done to the to the environment has been because we feel we have a right to, that we can do that because we dominate it, right? That's another thing where we have, I think we have to, to, to debunk. We have to get rid of it, right? We have to see our place in the environment in a much more what we call biocentric. We are part of the environment, right? Right. right. So, so in a sense, we we cannot go. It's like at the moment, we are living in an unsustainable world, right? We acting as if we have an infinite amount of resources, natural resources, which is not true. So we have to have more respect for the environment. So that what it means is that we have to value not only human life but also non-human life, which extends to rivers, trees, mountains, the soil the desert, you know, the sea, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I think when we begin to think of our, our relationship or who we are as part of the environment, then it, it's going to change the way we think about the environment, right? We're going to be able to understand that as we as part of the environment, we have to care for it, right? So I think that's, that, that's something that I'll, I want to spend some time on. And also what ethics means for the environment, mm. right? Uh, and I think sometimes that also is not sort of emphasized enough or not talked about enough. Ethics sometimes is, you know, that same sort of thing. That's just my opinion and anything goes, right? I think we have to get rid of that too. Not all opinion. We might, people, of course, are entitled to every to their own opinion, but of course, some opinions are wrong, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so ethics tries to, to say that... Um, 
likes to bring in reasoning to support one's position, right? So, which means that not all opinions can go, <laughs> you know, not all opinions are good, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it sort of, brings a, of course, more responsibility, um, but also an importance in understanding about the climate crisis and what it means and what it means to all of us, to the future. A lot of people will also say, it doesn't worry me because I'm going to die, right? But that's also very individualist and very selfish, you know, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if you have children and you have, you know, grandchildren or whatever. Um, and I, I think that we do have a responsibility for ourselves and for others and for the future, right? That's what sustainability is all about, right? Um, yeah. So the the main focus of the talk will be that sort of moving away from anthrop- anthropocentric, but also thinking about uh, our ethical responsibility obligations. The idea is to reduce harm, right? You know, do no harm, reducing harms, but also doing beneficial actions mm-hmm. as well, right? Yeah. So I suppose that, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> it's also interesting when you think about, or pol- people who care about the environment or talk about the environment and climate are usually characterized as more on the liberal spectrum, right? But when you mm-hmm. think about it as from an ethical standpoint or framework, and that some ideas are wrong, and some ideas are correct, that's more many people would see that as a more conservative outlook, right? I'm right, you're wrong. And, um, but as you pointed out, you have reasoning behind it and you can make that argument. Exactly. For example, a climate change denier does not have sufficient reasoning Mm -hmm. or evidence to support their argument, Mm -hmm. right? There is enough you know, there's enough scientific evidence. The IPCC is, you know, the reports that they bring out every year. Every day, the reports that come out, there's enough scientific evidence to show that something is wrong, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, so, and it does, it, it begs the question of like, well, what does that mean for each and every one of us? Or what do we have to do? And and, and of course, the, the answer is quite complex and com- in the sense where, and I think that's where people become overwhelmed. It, it, it's so it's so big and we're so far gone that we can't be complacent about it, mm-hmm. right? We it, It's gotten to a stage where we do have to. And that doesn't mean that we have to go back to living like cave people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like without anything. No, it just means we're going, we might have to make some adjustments, like that individual, you know, we do have to maybe think about what we consume, right? Um, how we can reduce consumption, uh, make better choices, the ethics is also making better choices about what we eat, right? What we consume, what we buy, it all leads to that, right? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing, you know, thinking about um, it, it. A lot of it has to do with individual behavior. But of course, as I said before, we cannot, it's not gonna happen just with individual behavior. It has to also, it demands structural changes, you know, government policies and laws that are going to reduce, you know, carbon dioxide emissions, fossil fuels, all sorts of things, right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And some people um, are opposed to do anything to about the climate because they talk about the loss of jobs in mining industry, for instance. But that's and that's a difficulty and it's complex. But that just because it's hard to do doesn't mean it shouldn't be done, right? It's um, exactly. we have to find ways to help these people who are coal miners not to starve to death and find new jobs, good jobs. 
Exactly. I think with the innovation of other energy sources, alternative energy, there is lots of scope out there. So you're right. The idea, and that's where the government comes into, mm -hmm. providing job training incentives, some support to those people in those traditionally sort of very carbon carcinogenic <laughs> fields, mm -hmm. right, to offer them other options. Of course, a lot of them may be older and they've been doing that for all their life, but, you know, change happens and we have to adjust to it. it Indust the industrialized industrialization that came in with right. mechanization and a lot of people lost their jobs that way but like you said it doesn't mean just because it's difficult or or it's uh it's going to people are going to lose jobs that we shouldn't do it no we should Actually, yeah, we're yeah, better prepared we to help people find new jobs now exactly. than we were during the industrial age when they were just kicked to the curb it creates new opportunities let's mm -hmm. go for it right there's a lot to be said for education in the field engineering, but also a lot of jobs that can be created through in, in um, alternative energy. Mm -hmm. So yes, I see it as an opportunity. Yeah. So you spent on a totally different subject, you spent a lot of time in Michigan, isn't that correct? Um, not, not a lot of time, but I did, I spent, I did my PhD there. That's where oh, okay. I sort of... Um, Is that where you got your accent? <laughs> no, I'm Australian, actually. Ah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah, so I spent, but I haven't lived in Australia for about 30 years. Huh. Um, before then, I spent I spent a lot of time in Bolivia and South America. Really? Yes. So um, you're, those are a lot of different backgrounds to bring to uh, <laughs> Connecticut. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. It's kind of like, phew, it's a bit like a whirlwind, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And what do you like but, best, Connecticut or uh, Bolivia or Australia? Oh, you know, each, you know, I consider myself a global, it's gotten to a stage where I consider myself a global citizen, mm -hmm. right? So I make the most of any sort of place where I'm at. And I think each each place where I've been to offers something different, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, you know, Connecticut offers, uh, it's, it's, a diff it's different to Michigan, but it's, I, I I love it. I mean, that's what I'm, I make the most of the environment where I'm at. So, it, you know, there are different, yeah. But I think what my experience, that really brings to my philosophical uh, inquiry, if you like, uh, where I, because I sort of, I see the value of philosophy in helping us think about some of these really difficult issues and questions and challenges, helping us to clarify, okay, what does it mean? What does sustainability actually mean? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> we use it so much, but Hang on a minute. Maybe we should think about it a little bit more in the environment. Maybe ethics, right? Because I think the ethics can get sort of a bit diluted. Nobody really knows what it means, or it's just, oh, just, just my moral beliefs. No, it's not actually quite like that, right? Mm -hmm. In a sense, where because some of our moral beliefs can be a little bit wrong, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so, with the ethical reasoning and analysis, it gets people to think, oh my gosh, okay, maybe we need to think about this. So. We apply it to the environment. I think it's so important. Right? Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. And to have that background oh, as a world, um, a resident of the world, a citizen of the world, that helps probably form uh, or make good reasoning. Oh, yes. I think so, too, because it makes you realize that there's a, okay, there's a big world out there, right? But uh, a lot of these problems that we're faced with, even racism, right? It's mm -hmm. not just limited to the U.S., you know, yeah. the, the racism is is all over. 
-hmm. And it's something that we do have to address uh, as as individuals, as kind of, you know, and it does, and even racism itself does require an introspection of our own sort of biases, our own judgments. Mm -hmm. It's only going to stop when we ourselves change. And again, I would say there's a right and a wrong there. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you can come join our class, right? We talk right. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Mm, that's fascinating. So your lecture will be online on April 27th. There's yes. a listing for it in the WOW for students, and it's on our calendar, on our WestCon calendar at wcsu.edu. And uh, we'll spread the word about it in this podcast and before your um, lecture. So as many people as possible uh, hear about it. Thank you. Yes, as many as people as we'd love to have as many people as possible on the on the call or on the, you know, participate in the lecture. I'd love to hear some questions, get some discussion. Uh, yeah. And Dr. Clark, who's the president of the university and your co-teacher or professor of this class is going to order all of his staff to uh, enroll in it too and be there on the 27th. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good. I don't know if that's ethical, but he is going to do it. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Could be challenged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as they're not coerced, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. well, we will examine that. <laughs> Dr. Anna Amalavisi, thanks so much for being with us on this podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. Looking forward to your lecture. And um, we'll have you on again, I'm sure, for other ethical okay. discussions. Yes, please do, anytime. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. It was funny. My kids are really, really into this Australian kids show called Bluey. So yeah. I've been steeped in Australian accents for like two years. So yeah. when she came on, it didn't even sound odd to me at all. Uh, it was it was amusing. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I guess that's what happens. I mean, it's like you've been living in uh, Australia for two years. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It's working. I'm not touching anything ever again. We're in geek world here, Jacqueline. Yeah, really. And I respect it. I don't know. I used to be in the AV club in high school. <laughs> I was mainly the editor, though. I didn't really do anything with the cameras. I wasn't. I was way too into uh, music at the time. Yeah. Oh, I, I was a little Miss Extracurricular in high school. I did yeah. everything at least once. I did everything band. <laughs> I was in, like, both band classes. So my seventh and eighth period were both band. Marching band, wow. jazz band. <laughs> pep band i was in the band and the music it's all i did all the time and i'm just like gee i wonder if i should have branched out a little bit at this point like... yeah i was in choir all four years really senior acapella and then i did the musical all for three years i did the plays all four years the variety show all four years and then i did like the other clubs like i was in yearbook for a year i was in av for two years I was on the chess club for like a hot minute. I thought that would look good on my college application. Turns out you have to know how to play chess. <laughs> I never played an instrument though. I couldn't really afford to get one. Yeah, I played all school instruments because I kept getting roped into like, oh, we need a bass clarinetist. And like, they never expect you to buy a bass clarinet. So I would, yeah. I would borrow one or I played tuba or I played, I played all the weird stuff that the school had. So I never had to 
pay for my own instrument, which is great. <laughs> That's good. But way too expensive. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I remember I really wanted to play the upright bass. Kind of oh, glad yeah. I did it some 411 and like 90 pounds. That would have been horrible to lug that back and forth. <laughs> but I wish I did branch out into an instrument. The stand-up bass would be fun, right? Just cool looking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I was just like, oh, you know, carry around an instrument twice my size. Why not? <laughs> I played the flute in middle school, but I was not very good. No one's good at the flute in middle school. Honestly, there was some like band prodigy in my class. I think that's part of why I quit because I don't yeah. like feeling inadequate. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to be the best at things, but like, I don't want to be the worst. And I was the worst because <laughs> there was only two of us. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Are you doing your nails? Yeah, I, I realized I had nail polish next to me. Not that I really I can... have a leg to stand on here, but is now really the time, Jacqueline? All right, look. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> that was mostly a poke at myself for being 10 minutes late. You're fine. Who cares? Yeah. So, yeah. So, we're good. All right, cool. So, we can start? Well, we already did, but sure, yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, recording nowhere near the basement of White Hall, Jacqueline Bonomo. What's up, guys? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on when you're listening. Live from my childhood bedroom. Yes. <laughs> you're not in the uh, dorm room. Yeah, I came home for a day to see the dogs, and that's going great because he's been crying for about 20 minutes. <laughs> What's the other one doing? Uh, she's the most quiet gentle animal in the world. She's just probably napping, but he's having a heart attack, so there's that. <laughs> It's so good you went home. Yeah, he has. He's been like by my side the second I stepped in the door, so he's probably a little anxious. And what uh, did your mother feed you? We I've not eaten yet. Oh. I know, I know. You guys are all at the edge of your seat. I'm really sorry to disappoint. <laughs> well, maybe you can bring something back with you when you come back. Are you coming back tonight? Yeah, I'll do like a lasagna review. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make my own video and send it to you guys and be like, I think this is very important for the episode. Good. It's as important as anything else we've done, I think. I agree. I would agree. If not more. <laughs> and have you fed the goldfish out in the backyard? Yes, we have. That was the first thing I did. Just went and go gave them some actually fun story so my sister was a really big fan of the jonas brothers when we were younger uh-huh. I, I hated them because obviously my sister liked them so i had to be the bratty little sister who hated everything my sister liked so we have a cutout of joe jonas and like a one of the big cargo ones it's like eight feet tall or whatever and so we've had a hawk problem the hawks have been snatching the fish out of the pond oh my god so instead of buying a scarecrow I was delighted to get a text from my sister that my mom put the Joe Jonas cutout outside by the pond as a scarecrow. And it was probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I laughed about (laughs) it for probably 20 minutes. And then I laughed even harder when my father sent me a picture of a hawk sitting on the Joe Jonas cutout with a fish in its mouth. (laughs) Um, And then my mom left Joe out in the rain and he crumpled. So yeah, that was very sad. So the reign of Joe the Scarecrow really did not last that long, but it was possibly the funniest thing I've ever witnessed. Classic. <laughs> it was Joe funny, Jonas. but not effective. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not at all. But, like creativity points to my mom. I would not have thought of that. <laughs> How many fish are left in the pond? There's still, there's like twenty of them. Oh, okay. They're, and they breed, so like they do. Yeah, they they um make up what they lose. 
No matter, no wonder your mom is proud of it. Yeah, definitely. She built the pond by scratch. So, you know, hmm. I'm, we're all pretty hype about it. It's like her, it's like her baby. Now that you girls are all grown up. Of course. Yeah. It's like when it's storming outside and like, you know, it's about, to, there's like a flood warning. My mom's outside trying to get the fish in buckets so she, so they don't overflow. <laughs> Don't they just go down to the bottom of the pond? They don't know. It's not too deep. She gets, again, they're her babies, though, so she doesn't want them washing up. Wow. Yeah, the dedication. Get a picture of that, too. I shall. The dedication runs deep in the the Bonomo family. We don't don't half-ass anything. (laughs) Just like this podcast. Absolutely. Um, What events are going on? I know that the Women's Center typically does their clothesline project where people um write quotes about being a survivor of assault or domestic violence mm-hmm. and i know with covid because they used to do it in the midtown little kind of quad area um with covid yeah. they're actually bringing some supplies to each residence hall and the ras will be doing it with the residents so if you live in centennial keep an eye out we're probably doing it this upcoming week that's good speaking of the women's club i can't remember what she was plugging, but a gal from the women's club, Sam, did a light up hula hoop routine at the chocolate lounge that was pretty awesome. And then she's afterward, very talented. I've known Sam for a couple yeah. years now. She was um one of my like resident friends before she became an arm. And um she is such a talented hula hooper. And yeah. that's a talent I did not know really existed. Yeah. But she used to do tricks and I was just standing there and just be like, oh my God. That was amazing. And then she got up <laughs> yeah. and, and plugged Again, I apologize. Something for the Women's Center. I'm sure if you go on their on their site and their social media, you can figure out what it is. But she was she yeah. Was they keep that, that updated pretty regularly. Yeah. So, uh, Pete, you made two mistakes. You called it the Women's Club. It's the Women's Center. I apologize. And you referred to her as a gal, which we don't do anymore. I thought gal was okay. She, I, I'm sorry. Her pronouns are she/her from someone who knows her. But <laughs> I, so it's the assumption is the issue. Right. Uh, I don't know. The I word don't think gal you can call issue? people women's gal. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought gal was I, good. I thought gal was completely. like guy. Isn't that the? I think it really depends. Like it's always good to put more gender neutral um, terms into your language, but like also, it is tough. We've all grown up being like ladies and gentlemen, or like yeah, excuse me, boys say, and girls. I didn't want to say girl. I didn't want to say no. I didn't. You know. So I, you're right, though. I should be more more sensitive about that. A student. Everyone gets there. We all get there eventually. Named Sam. I still catch myself <laughs> saying like, hey, you guys. And yeah. I'm like, nope, I'm not really supposed to say that anymore. Yeah. Actually, I think you can say, hey, you guys. That is just like um, neutral now. but <clears throat> And can refer to uh, people who identify as male or female. But gal is just very old fashioned. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't come out and be like, oh, look at that dame. She was so good at her hula hooping. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's exactly right. I suppose. Well, I sit corrected. But Chocolate Lounge went really well. Lots uh, Lots of attendance. Everybody seemed to have a really good time. That's good. And uh, this week, this Friday the 16th, is uh, Take Me Out, Show Me Love, which is presented by the African African Caribbean Student Association, and it's a kind of a dating game show. Um, So I I know at some point you could register. I don't know if that's closed or not, but if you reach out to the ACSA or Susie Asamoah, I'm sure she'll have info for you. 
Um, so that's this Friday night at 7 in Ives Concert Hall, but attendance is limited. So, uh, you know, reach out and figure out how that's going to work. And it will be live streamed. So if you can't make it in person, you can watch it uh, online. Are you working on Friday, uh, Friday night again, Pete? I am. I'll be there. And Saturday? Or did uh, you work last Saturday? No, it was last Saturday, this Friday. And then I'll be at the fashion okay. show on the 30th. So, you made your Yikes. props to Susie. She's got so much going on. She's one of my residents, and I, I love her. She's such a sweet person. Yeah. But she's got so many events going on. This past, I want to say, last yesterday or the day before, I think Sunday, they did Soul Food Sunday hmm. in the um, in the cafeteria, the ballroom by the cafeteria. I thought that was really creative. Susie is really, um, she's a go getter. She's very ambitious, and I'm very excited to see what she does next. Especially, um, I think she's the president of the um, of the club, but she she gets a lot done. It's I'm, I'm like honestly jealous of how much time she has to like plan stuff. Yeah, she's a dynamo. So she, she's like you were in high in high school, right? She's oh yeah, a little continued it in college. <laughs> what happened to you in college? I kind of taking it easy. Yeah, I became an RA, and that takes up most of my time, but um. I decided to kind of keep it chill, focus on my classes and things like that. I do wish I had more time to be involved, though. Hmm. Yeah, when you get out of school, you'll have, when you graduate, you'll have more time. Yeah, hopefully. Hope That's the way it's looking. But <laughs> In my office, we're going through the proofing the names and the lists for graduation, commencement, and all the honors, convocations and stuff, and... I noted you were there for commencement. Very, you are going to graduate. Definitely would have been a problem if I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I texted my parents. I was like, oh, I only get two tickets to graduation, so I keep your calendars clear for um, May 16th. And um, my parents like, and my dad's a jokester. He's like, and you're sure you're graduating? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, I did just spend $90 on the cap and gown, so that would be kind of awkward if I didn't. <laughs> Yeah, he is funny, huh? Yeah. yeah, so so Paul, commencement is the 15th or 16th, depending on what program you're in, correct? That is correct. I think it's uh, Macrocasa School of Arts and Sciences is the f and Ansel School of Business are the 15th, and then the uh, two separate ceremonies, and then one ceremony on the 16th, the School of Professional Studies, which Jacqueline is in, and School of Visual and Performing Arts. Okay, and they're on campus this year, not in Bridgeport. That's right. They're on the West Side campus in the West Side Athletic Center. The WAC. Okay. Complex, yeah. And again, attendance is limited, but it will be live streamed. And where should people go for more information on that? That's a good question. I think there's <laughs> something on the website. Yeah, I think it's just uh, wcsu.edu on the website uh, slash commencement, right? I think it's. I think somebody did that without my knowledge oh, or uh, participation, but yes, that's probably where it is. Okay. Yeah, I gotta. Um, I should probably know more than I do because my parents <laughs> are like, oh, where is it? And I'm like, oh, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> like, what time is it? And I was like, hmm, interesting. Very good question. <laughs> sometime in the morning. Uh, actually, yeah, and yours will be sometime in the morning, I think. Or it could be one. I'm not sure. You're right. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll update the, the podcast when we figure it out ourselves. Yeah, that's right. One thing that coming up next week that's a little bit up in the air now that we announced on the podcast last week is this vaccination clinic. Yeah, I, I actually so just registered for the school. So I have an appointment April 22nd for Pfizer at the mall. Oh, you and do? Good. Weston was like, oh, we're going to do Johnson & Johnson. So I made an appointment for April 20th. And then maybe like six hours later, my group chat is blowing up. Um, um, it's my friends from all different schools. We have, And a few of them are health majors and like public health majors. So the yeah. group chat is blowing up. They're like, do not get the Johnson & Johnson. You're going to get a blood clot. <laughs> so that was quite the wraparound. I was like, yay, vaccine. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, the school sent out an email this morning saying that they're seeking other alternatives. Yes. Well, uh, guess what I did on Friday? Got the Johnson & Johnson Got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. <laughs> yeah, my parents, I, went, I came home and I was like, yeah, isn't that so funny? And my mom was like, do you think I'm going to get a blood clot? And I was like, I don't know, mom. Uh, <laughs> I'm not the public health major. <laughs> <laughs> when did your mom get it about a week ago oh no she's probably not gonna get it i think she's fine but yeah. it is worth being a little scared about yeah yeah i mean we're we this we know so little about everything that it's all scary but you just keep an eye on things and look to the experts for guidance and you know what are and you if do? you drop dead you know you blame Paul. We'll have there's somebody else can be the engineer, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, if I die, you guys are invited to my funeral. Um oh, Aww, rager. that's nice. It's gonna be a rager, and there's gonna be um instead of a will, I'm just gonna have like a what's the word? A, a quizlet of like a hundred questions about my life. Whoever gets the most <laughs> points gets everything I've ever owned. So like that you dresser know. behind you. Yeah. It's beautiful. The yeah. The eight-year-old comic book collection I have in opens and it's probably like 2012. Uh, the Harry Potter first edition. Oh, well, those are some. Yeah, you'd have to fight my dad for those, but oh. <laughs> he's pretty tough. Well, if who knows more questions, the more answers about your life, him or me. Yeah, well, he is a Ravenclaw, so there's uh, that. That's interesting. So is my wife. And what are you? I was a Hufflepuff for quite a long time. Now I think I'm a Gryffindor. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all very, very on the edge of your seat. Hot knowledge. I know you're just studying for the Quizlet, but. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, did you say your wife is a Ravenclaw? My wife's a Ravenclaw. Evidently, I'm you? a Hufflepuff. <laughs> I get so, okay, I get so much crap for being a Hufflepuff, when in reality, most fans are Hufflepuffs. Yeah. But my boy, my boyfriend's a Slytherin, so he gives me crap all the Ooh. time. He's like, he's like Hufflepuff is the community college of um, what you call Harry Potter houses. Wow! <laughs> like that's exactly what a Slytherin would say. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And what's Slytherin then? What kind of college is that? I think he described it, and it actually made me laugh. He described it as like Gryffindor is Harvard, um, Slytherin is Princeton. Ravenclaw's Yale and Hufflepuff is um, like, <laughs> I think you said like Gateway Community Gateway, yeah. <laughs> It's like, well, I went to Gateway for a math class and I had a wonderful time. So. There you go. Yeah, my wife's a Ravenclaw. I'm a Hufflepuff. My son is a Gryffindor and we've decided that my daughter is definitely a Slytherin. She's evil. Oh, man. <laughs> she, she, seemed, she seemed very in control last time. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's really all for me. I know the fashion show is coming up, which is super exciting. 
And if the residents want to keep an eye on the clothesline project, I know from the Women's Center, I know that's coming up soon. It the dates will vary between the residence halls, but um, that's pretty much all I think that is going on currently. And I know the Programs Activities Council on Instagram is doing another giveaway, and I'm really trying to get that gift card. So, and what do you have to do to win the gift card? They are so, I really think people should do them more because all you have to do is go on their Instagram and they'll post like a, let me pull one up. They'll post something and all you have to do on like, so this is a giveaway from the rec, um, hmm. the um, performance, the uh, rec, I don't know what rec stands for. Recreation. You know. Yeah, there we go. And all you have to do is tag three Westcon students in a comment about your favorite park. Huh. And then you could first place and second place are hundred dollar gift cards. So, oh my god! So maybe if our viewers don't want to enter that, so I can get a gift card, that'd be great. <laughs> you can only tag students, huh? Yeah, only Westcon students. Wah, wah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Sorry. Right. You know, maybe they'll do one for faculty. Probably not. But, but, you know, you could dream. <laughs> no, we're all about students here. We do everything for students. I respect that. I, I That mantra fits very well. My residents. Um, yeah. I've been trying to connect with my residents. I have a very quiet floor this year, which is very new for me. Usually I ha end up with the party floor. Um, but I have a very, very quiet floor this time around. And it's very new for me and kind of odd. But um, it was staff appreciation day. So the RDs decorated the resident, um, like the RA doors. And a few of my residents were like, oh, happy birthday. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> like, she's a little confused, but she got the spirit. It's fine. That's pretty funny. It was quite cute. Uh, so what are they doing? Are they raising hell today when you're not there? Probably not. I don't think they notice if I'm gone, which makes me sad, but I, I love my <laughs> residents. I think they're all very creative. We have a lot, I have a lot of, um, like I have a lot of sports kids and I have a lot of um, art majors. So I think they're very, very creative. I just wish they talked to me more. <laughs> like I don't bite, I'm your buddy. I know. And you have an RA like you, that's what is good, right? Because I'm the cool one. Right. Sources may vary. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's all from me today. Do you have any pride updates, Jacqueline? I know you had mentioned when we first started talking oh, that yeah. you were involved there. And I just heard that they got a um, new office. Is that right? Yeah, so we're in the office now. Um, again, the west in the west side um, classroom building is the most confusing building ever. Since we're talking about Harry Potter, it's, it feels like it's got moving stairwells. <laughs> but we are in room 200. Um, it's a cute little office. We actually just decorated it with some infographics and things like that. Um, we are doing virtual tours. If you want one, you can reach out to Jasenia Minnie Delgado. She's in charge of our office, as well as me, uh, Bonomo004 at WestCon. Um, and I, I did a virtual tour for another institution on campus a week ago. It was really, really fun. Um, again, I wish it could be in person because, again, our office is super cute. But yeah, um, yeah, you can book a tour. We hired our new director. Um, I can't really, I don't think I can say his name yet, though. But we did hire a new director, and I'm really excited to meet him. I was in a meeting, a virtual meeting, where I met him, and I forget his name. But um, so I think it's okay to say, isn't it? Okay, if it's okay to say, then it's Scott Towers. He's he's wonderful. He did a diversity 
training for the RAs um, about a summer ago. And no it was easily one of the most captivating presentations. He's full of energy. I'm very excited to work with him, even for like a couple, the, like the last month and a half I have, I'm here. I've known That's Scott good. Towers for a long time. Yeah, he's the best. I he really was, enjoy his um, his presence. He was a counselor at our uh, music camps years ago. And uh, yeah, he's a he's a real good time. He does have band kid energy. Yes, I feel like that, that worked out. Yep. <laughs> he acted like he didn't like me. That's the impression I got from him. Well, he's yeah. very smart. <laughs> good good well, judge of Paul, character. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a lot of love here, I can tell, man. Yeah. Well, my family's gone, so. <laughs> they, did I, I didn't even tell you guys where they went. They. No. Went to Mystic without me. Without wow. you? To go to the aquarium. Yep. They're having a, having a grand old time other side of the state without me. Yeah, Is I some... consider myself quite mature, but you put me in an aquarium and I'm suddenly like seven years old again. And I'm like running up and I'm like pressing my face to the yeah. glass like fishy. Yeah, we've, had, to, whales, we've had a membership right? there for a couple of years and it's, uh, it's really yeah. awesome. Now I want to go. Well, yeah. is there another adult going with your wife? Yeah, her, just her, her brother, kids? Uh, my kid's uncle, is there with her. So, hmm. so somebody to keep in charge. Yeah, Isn't he's huge, actually. So. <laughs> he's like six six. Huh? It's great. <laughs> uh. So he's um, Hagrid. Yes. Good reference. Very top. Without the beard. And yep. In the first Harry Potter, didn't uh, Harry learn that he could speak? Snake language in a uh, uh, it's in the second one, yeah. yeah. It's the second one. Well, he, he does he it in, a, in the first one, but he learns about it officially one, in the second one. What it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. The uh, snake came is going through down the glass. <laughs> We're getting in the nitty gritty. Let's do it. <laughs> Talk about geeking out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have so much Harry Potter knowledge. I was a Percy Jackson kid. Oh, I didn't read Harry Potter until I was like a little bit older. I still think Percy Jackson is better, but that's just me. Um, my godly parents, Apollo, in case anyone was wondering. Which <laughs> you weren't, but, um, and the amount of Harry Potter knowledge I have because I read it a little bit later. So I was able to kind of like understand and research more. But yeah, Harry can speak parcel tongue because the scar on his forehead, because Voldemort could speak parcel tongue. Right. And he has the piece of Voldemort in his forehead. So he can speak parcel tongue. Um, very quite rare, but the Spoiler snake alert he for Harry Potter. I mean, it has been out <laughs> for like know, forever. Kidding, you I haven't know. read it or watched yeah. the movies. I think you're just not going to. Yeah, I know. But yeah. um, spoiler alert: the snake that he releases in the first movie is actually Nagini, Voldemort's snake. I didn't know that. I'm I didn't know that sure. either. I'm not sure if that's like confirmed or if that's a rumor, but I'm like pretty sure that it's the same snake. See, now I got to research wow yeah my younger yeah, I sister be, i think it might be a rumor it might be like a fan rumor but i do remember hearing that from somewhere wow huh. worth looking into yeah my younger yeah, sister was her birthday's right around harry's around the like the same year that the book came out so she turned 11 the summer that harry turned 11 so she was like obsessed with harry potter and everything and then they, when they started taking longer to come out she I, she didn't grow out of it but it just got disappointing and I was working at the bookstore when five, six, and seven came out. So we had like the midnight release parties and all the wackadoos came out and it was those were fun. 
Yeah, I, I missed the big craze yeah. around pe people my age. Because, again, I, I read Percy Jackson in fifth grade. That was my thing. And I also know way more Percy Jackson trivia than any human being should. Um, but I read Harry Potter around 15, 16. And then my dad got really into it because we're both big readers. And at first he was like, I'm not reading this kid's book. And then he saw how big they were. And he's like, oh, okay. And now he reads <laughs> once a year. <laughs> He'll be like, oh, can I can I borrow um, Goblet of Fire? I'm like, yeah, just it's on my bookshelf. Like, <laughs> go get it. <laughs> Make him sign it out for me. You don't have to ask to read them. You can stamp the inside of the cover with his name and everything. And you saw all the movies, right? Oh yeah, we have I we have them on DVD. Yeah, that hey, was have you been good. To the books are great. The movies, the are Wizarding good. World in Universal. No, I've actually never been to like any Disney park ever. Like it, any of those? It's fantastic. We went. My wife became so a nine-year-old. It was incredible. Really? Yep. But she was pregnant, yeah. so we couldn't go on the like the roller coaster or anything. But it, it's it's so well done. It's it's tough because you have to buy a ticket to both sides of the park if you want to ride the Hogwarts Express, which is absolutely yeah. worth it. But it's it's very very <laughs> cool. COVID really lets up all um, yeah. splurge. My I'll be like, it's just dad and I. We're going on a vacation because you nerds don't watch Harry Potter. Like, <laughs> just leave my family at home. Be like, sorry, guys. No vacation for you. Only nerds. Yep. Yeah. No, it's 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 great. Maybe you can hang out with Pete when he takes his kids finally. Yeah, there you go. That's good. Well, it's like I'll meet at 5 o'clock. I'll meet you outside the fire-breathing dragon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's good. It yeah, better thanks be. Thanks for having me again. I'll see you guys next week. Yeah, thanks for coming in on your day off. Oh, you know, all in a day's work. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> see you Bye. later. Hey, Pete, I have an update. Oh, boy. Yeah. I was saying earlier in the podcast about how we were going to give out Johnson and Johnson vaccines and then that got all scuttled and we decided we can't uh, give those out. But now today it looks like, and this is a little bit later uh, in our discussion, it looks like we're going to try to give out Pfizer vaccines to as many students as want them on campus, probably on April 20th and 22nd. And the only caveat is it's not a sure thing yet. So you may hear this podcast and say, hey, I'm going to sign up for that Pfizer vaccine on campus. And it'll turn out there isn't a Pfizer vaccine being given out on campus. But our plan right now is to uh, give out, have a, two clinics uh, that will be on after this podcast is released online. And uh, you'll be able to get the Pfizer vaccine if you are a student and you show your student ID. One of the little um, uh, twists in it is that the second uh, shot in the vaccine, as you know, they have to, you have to get two shots of this to make it a hundred or as effective as possible. The second shot will be given during finals week. So, <laughs> oh, or exam boy. week. So, <laughs> So make sure you're not like getting your second crap. shot the day before a big final. <laughs> yeah. Or if you do and you feel like crap, you still have to take the final. Woof. 
<laughs> it's so funny. The, the the variation is so funny. I have I know people that the second shot was nothing. I know people that the second shot, my wife said it felt like she had COVID again. Yeah. Uh, but it was over very quickly. I know mine, um, as we talked about before, my, my Johnson & Johnson uh, knocked me for a pretty good loop the next day. And you still went to work, though. But that's the problem is I also, when I should have been resting, I was at work. So yeah. I don't recommend that to anybody. But if you have a final exam uh, scheduled, you might have to do it. No whining. No whining. Or you can whine to yourself, but not <laughs> nobody else. Paul doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> Just call Pete. We'll go in and switch your grade to an A. I can't do it. Well, oh, really? We'll see. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, we'll try. <laughs> All right. That's the end of the that update. All right, so since we recorded the segment with Jacqueline, I talked to my wife, and uh, she had some updates. Yeah, so I'm trying to think if there was more than the one, but specifically the one my wife had had some words on was the uh, the theory that the snake that Harry lets out of the zoo turns out to be Nagini, and my wife launched into this lecture about how because Nagini is a horcrux and had to have been around before Voldemort was disappeared in the first place, that there's no way... Or it's unlikely that that snake was Nagini because that snake, according to the card at the zoo, was bred in captivity, and yada yada. She had a whole theory about it, so I wish I'd known that when uh, when we were talking to Jacqueline. But well, we can bring it up again, you know, Harry Potter too. We can. Well, just every week we'll do that for for seven weeks. We'll have uh, Harry Potter talk <laughs> with Jacqueline Bonomo. <laughs> I think we could do that. Yeah, I'm sure she has enough content for it. That would be funny. Yeah. Maybe then we can get. Oh, what's the author's name? I don't think we want any part of that. <laughs> we don't want her to listen to us? I, no, she's she's toxic now. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no, you're right. We don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That's good. All right. For At WCSU, I'm Paul Steinmetz. He's Pete Puccio. And we'll see you next week. At WCSU is a production of WCSU Media. Engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at WCSU Media and on the university's Facebook and Twitter pages. And feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at WCSU.edu. Thanks for listening.